State. Your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle formation of the near side. J.D. split out left. They look left. Back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five. He lays out. He's in. That's a two-point play for Nebraska. And they've tied this game in Champaign at 35 apiece. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate War. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hoping everybody had a nice hump day on your way to another weekend filled with a couple of championship games in the National Football League. Teams had their press conferences today, uh, their weekly press conferences, had a chance to uh, listen to both the Chiefs and the Titans today. Um, and of course, Packers and Niners will be the other game. Uh, coming your way on Sunday. So looking forward to that very much. we got a lot to get to over the next three hours on Sports Nightly here coming up again uh, rather shortly. Lane Grindle, a Major League Baseball insider, will shed some light on what's happening with the Houston Astros situation, his thoughts on the punishments handed down, potentially what's more to come of this, and uh, the goals maybe of Rob Manfred, the, condition, the commissioner, about uh, the state of this problem and, and – one to put a kibosh to that problem uh, before it even really gets off the ground. So we'll get Lane's thoughts. Usually we leave Lane alone this time of year, Nate, mm. and you know let him enjoy his family time. He's heading out to Arizona here in about a month for spring training, but bombshells are afoot. Yeah, and especially where you have the managers of two of the last three world champions getting fired. Uh, because of their role in the scandal, and a third manager in Carlos Beltran uh, expected to be fired at some point, although there is some dispute as to whether or not he'll lose his job as a result of this as well. But you think about it, this scandal, this issue, could cost one-tenth of the Major League Baseball managers their jobs. And two guys who have won World Series, and you look at the Houston Astros, that's a team that was positioned and, and really still is positioned to make another run this year. So it has a supreme effect on what we're seeing in Major League Baseball and what we will see in Major League Baseball this year. Yeah, so we'll get Lane's thoughts on what's to come of the uh, Major League Baseball situation in Houston. Uh, we'll switch gears and talk some Nebraska volleyball with head coach John Cook. Uh, he, of course, has been very busy in his off season now uh, with a pupil of his and uh, a player of his, Caleb Anworth, accepting the head coaching position at Ole Miss. Uh, so Coach Cook having to once again go fill a, an assistant coach void and does so with Tyler Hildebrand, who was an assistant coach for Nebraska for the national championship team a couple of years ago. We'll get Coach Cook's uh, thoughts on how that all came about and really now what's to come with um, another different group of staff and you know his players starting the beach season real soon too and we'll tie up all the loose ends of how last season finished with Cooker tonight as well. Coming up in the seven o'clock hour Nebraska men's basketball radio hour we'll chat with Nebraska assistant coach Doc Sadler between seven and eight o'clock here tonight taking your calls and questions for coach and Nate and I will play buy-sell tonight as well. Of course, you want to be a part of the show tonight, feel free to do so at 866-HUSKER-1, 
5371, the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Well, we got the basketball show at 7 8, and of course, last night, Husker men's hoops on the road at Value City Arena in Columbus, taking on the Buckeyes, Ohio State. Then on a four-game losing streak, ranked as high as fifth in the country. Um, you know, had they beat Minnesota way back when, they would have one point been the number one team in the country hmm. with the start that they had to the year. But uh, with four straight losses after starting twelve and one, uh, Ohio State came out and a little slow out of the gate. Took about three, three and a half minutes for them to score, but once they did. Nebraska had a hard time slowing them down. They cruised to a 12-point victory, 80-68, to um, led by uh, over 20 at one point, and Nebraska did a good job fighting back and making it look respectable. But, um, you know, for Nebraska, one point trailing by 25 to cut it to 12 is a positive. But, you know, there, there were a lot of things yesterday that, uh, that didn't go Nebraska's way, and unfortunately the Huskers are now 2-4 and four in the league because of it. The big thing that stood out to me was Nebraska's difficulty in making close shots early. Uh, Ohio State did not score in their first six possessions. And meanwhile, the Huskers got good looks. Uh, they got four close shots, either layups or short field goal attempts in the post out of the first five possessions. And the other possession was an open three for Hanif Cheatham. And Nebraska only got a 4 nothing lead in that run. And you could tell Ohio State was a little sluggish and a little slow to get going. But if you're getting those good shots around the rim, if you're close, uh, you've got to cash those in, especially on the road and especially against a high-talent team like Ohio State. Uh, Huskers were very competitive. They've, that, that's one thing that's notable, and, and it'll be something to track as this year goes along and this team sitting at 7-10 and 10 right now. But if the losses start piling up a little bit, do they keep fighting? Do they keep competing? Uh, and, and even in these games where they've been down 15 or 20 as they were last night, they keep fighting. And that's something. That, that's a good place to start. Uh, but you feel like Nebraska had some opportunities, had some shots at the basket to make this a little more competitive game and actually give themselves a chance to win and they just didn't get it done yeah and Ohio State yesterday they hit the three big threes right before the media break Andre Wesson hits three threes and it was really early in the game but at the time you you began to wonder okay can Nebraska keep up yeah. um, can they keep pace with Ohio State because you know for the first nearly three minutes of the game the Huskers led but uh, you knew that wasn't going to be the case forever and the three-point shooting yesterday for Ohio State when the game was still in question Nebraska made a bunch of threes late but 10 of 22 for Ohio State behind the three-point line the Huskers finished 9 of 22 but uh, a bunch of those came from Thor who had a career high in three-pointers made at five and had 15 points for the Huskers it the game was was already over at that point the other big challenge Nate yesterday was Caleb Wesson and Nebraska has seen the best bigs um, so far in the league. Now, Tillman might have something to say about that in, at Michigan State, but they've seen Garza, they've seen Wesson, they've seen some really good bigs. Uh, Caleb Wesson's as versatile as they come, a lot like Luca Garza finishing with 13 and 14 yesterday and very efficient from the floor at 5 for 7. Yeah, and hit, he hit a 3, and 
at just doing it all for uh, Ohio State and a, a tough matchup problem. It is notable, though, Nebraska held up pretty well down low in this game. They lose the rebounding battle by only three. They get 12 offensive boards, which uh, some of that's just Nebraska's poor shooting. Uh, but Nebraska was able to pull down 12 boards, and they were able to score in the paint, but Wesson gave them a lot of problems, and uh, the Huskers just don't have an answer for that guy right now. Uh, You know, someday uh, Ivan Oedrago uh, might be that answer. He very well could be, but uh, just as young as he is, as undeveloped as he is, he's, he's getting a baptism by fire, and uh, there's there's a lot of burn that's happened over the last couple of weeks. There has, and for the Huskers, Cam Mack was in foul trouble in the second half and, again, struggled with a shot. Just 5 of 15 from the floor, 0 for 4 from downtown, two games in a row that he has struggled from deep. And as Nate said, usually when you look at these numbers, something that uh, seems to stick out a lot is the rebounding totals. Huskers just out-rebounded by three. But the other big story to this was Ohio State was without two starters as two guys suspended right before the game for Coach Holtman. Didn't seem to be, uh, didn't seem to sound anyway like long-term suspensions. But without two starters, Huskers still lose by 12 to Ohio State. And now we'll turn their attention back home to the Indiana Hoosiers on Saturday. The, again, the league this year has been bizarre. It's been weird. And I would anticipate Nebraska, Nate, you know, with even these games coming up, they're going to steal a couple just by the sure. way and how hard that they play. I'll be interested to hear Coach Sadler talk about the effort um, and, and how the mood of the team was after getting back from Columbus yesterday. You have to feel good about where you are as a team. I mean, you, you bounce back from a, a really disappointing day against Northwestern. And Ohio State, yeah, Ohio State probably beat you by more points. Uh, you lost this game worse than by 12 is what I'm trying to say. Uh, it was more of a blowout than maybe the score indicates. And yet they were able to compete fairly well. They were able to play pretty well. It's just Ohio State has a ton of talent. They were a little due after losing four games. And, and you're getting ready to play an Indiana team that you took to overtime on the road. So coming home to Pinnacle Bank Arena, and it has been almost impossible to win on the road in this conference this year you got to like your chances. you got to feel like you've got a chance against IU to get a home Big Ten win and hopefully get things going back in the right direction. Yeah, unless you're Wisconsin, winning on the road is is not an easy thing to do. Off and rolling here on Sports Nightly on a Wednesday night. We'll take our first break. We'll switch gears, talk some Major League Baseball after the break. His voice will sound familiar. And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Well, normally we give him a little break because this is supposed to be a downtime in Major League Baseball, but, buddy, did you uh, brace yourself for some bombshells this offseason? <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I, I mean, I think we all knew going into the – the, the off season that, that something would probably shake out on this Astros story, um, the extent of it and the severity of the penalties. Uh, I'm not sure any of us, you know, were anticipating it to, to this degree. So um, that was big news this, this last week. And um, there's more news on the horizon, I think on this before it's all said and done. And, and, you know, I, I think I've seen, a wide range of opinions on the punishment and whether it was too much or whether it was not enough, or I think it's just in the 
eye of what you value. You know, I think there are plenty of people that look at draft picks and they don't see it the same way that it is in the NFL or the NBA where these guys have immediate impact. And so they don't value a first and second round draft pick the same way they do as a fan of their favorite NFL team or their favorite NBA team. But the reality is um, they're extremely valuable. And the Astros have a reputation of drafting pretty well over the years. Um, if, if you look, I mean, they've had some misses too, some high misses actually, but look, they've built a great farm system and it hasn't been by accident. So um, I, I thought the, the draft pick uh, penalties were really big. The five million, I mean, everybody can, can scoff at that all they want, but I mean, five million is still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's pretty significant. And then obviously Lunau and, and A.J. Hinch getting penalized like they did, very significant. Um, so I, I thought it was a, a pretty significant penalty. Yes, they didn't take the World Series away from them. I don't know that there's a good answer there. You take the World Series away and invalidate it, you can't give it to the Dodgers, so you just don't have a champion in 2017. I don't like that either. Um, it's also saying that the only reason they won was because of it. You know, that's probably debatable. Did they get an advantage? Absolutely. Was it unfair? Absolutely. Was it, you know, not in the the right spirit of the game? Yes, I would agree with all those things. But um, I don't think to the degree that I want to flip the World Series outcome. So it, it was it was significant. I, like I said, there's more coming out. Last night we found out that Alex Cora had – essentially been dismissed from the Red Sox. I think they called it a mutual parting of ways, but he was not going to manage that team one way or another this year. And I think now a lot of eyes are starting to focus in on Carlos Beltran and, and, and what will become of him. Yeah, no question about it. Let's, let's back up. Let's go to prior uh, to the, you know, the punishments. What was the, were the conversations amongst just Major League Baseball broadcasters, people, front office people that you've been around, maybe at meetings or whatever, just about this situation and how serious it was before the punishments come out? Was it something that was just kind of swept under the rug and moved on, or, or did you were, were there people bracing for impact on this deal? Oh, I think people were bracing for impact. Look, and I know some people that maybe aren't like locked into baseball on a daily basis will have a hard time differentiating between these two things. But you know this, Ben, everybody steals signs, right? Like, stealing signs is a little bit of a part of the game, but it's based upon, like, your own skill. Like, I can observe, and I've now locked in on what that sign is, and I'm going to let my teammates in the dugout know, and I might step off a second base and kick at the dirt and and give my teammate in the box a signal. That stuff happens in baseball. Um, It's... It is just kind of accepted and tolerated to to a degree, and it's kind of on you to do a better job with your signs. This is a totally different level. This was using technology. This was using an elaborate system to be able to kind of, quote, unquote, hack the system, right? And I think that's where people had a big issue with it. It's not that, you know, somebody noticed a trend and told his buddies about it, and now, you know, look, there's a – if, if you don't realize this, there's a reason why every time there's a runner on second base, we have a meeting on the mound now between the catcher and the pitcher. That's why they had to limit those because it was getting out of control because you have to change the signs all the time because guys are really good at figuring that stuff out. That's a totally different deal than what we're talking about here. I mean, we had the Apple Watch scandal. Now we have this. Um, it's, it's, it's a different deal. It's taking it to a completely different level. It's an elaborate scheme to cheat, essentially, at this point. Not a 
not a little bit of gamesmanship by being able to figure it out on your own. And I think that's where the line has been drawn, and that's why this one uh, is, is seen as egregious, and they want to punish uh, the people that, that were involved in this sort of a scheme because it's no longer based upon skill or, or being able to uh, you know play the game. It's, you're giving yourself kind of an artificial uh, advantage. So I think people thought something was going to come down. I, there's just not really precedent for it, though, Ben. Mm-hmm. So you just don't really know what they're going to do. I mean, it's, it's a totally different situation than some of the NCAA scandals we've seen because some of the NCAA scandals have dealt with people hurting people or, you know, I mean, like Breaking the law. Real, real law stuff, right? And so those – but in some of those cases, it's not like there's a lot of precedent. And so it's hard to really know – exactly what the punishment's going to be because there, there is no precedent to go off of, and there really wasn't much of a precedent to go off of with this, albeit nobody was actually hurt in the grand scheme of things, but it was hurting the integrity of the game in the eyes of the commissioner and in the eyes of baseball, and so uh, they've taken some, some pretty strict steps, I think. Do you feel like the Astros knew they were crossing the line when they were doing this, or do you think in their right mind that they were, they were within those rules of you saying of, of sign-picking? I think they knew it probably wasn't going to be smiled upon and probably would be frowned upon. Do I think that they thought it was going to be this? No. I think they probably thought they were exaggerating what everybody else does, which is try to pick up on the signs, right? Um, It's not like there was some handbook that said, this is okay, but this isn't. (laughs) I mean, that that really wasn't handed out to anybody at, at MLB orientation. And so I'm sure they were able to kind of justify it in their minds. Yeah, we're stretching it a little bit, but, hey, we're trying to win. Um, But I think when you get unemotional about it and objective about it and step back and take that 30,000-seat view of it, you get that this this was over the line. We're talking with Lane Grindle, Major League Baseball insider here on Sports Nightly. Lane, when you look at how the punishments were handed down, you did a great job outlining it when we first started, but – um, is there anything to come of the players? So there's a lot of responsibility on the ownership and the management, but are the players that were involved, are, are they facing any, any repercussions, or are they, are they washing their hands clean of this? Well, that's been a pretty big source of the conversation is, okay, well, A.J. Hinch penalized, um, Jeff Lunau penalized, and pretty steep for both of them. I mean, that's about as steep as it gets for both of those two gentlemen and their punishments. Um, five million to the owner. Some people have said maybe not enough. Other people are like, well, that's pretty steep. Um, and then the organization obviously suffers with with the draft picks. But the players really aren't being punished here. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I think that one's tough because the players are essentially the ones that were at the heart of this um, and benefiting from it. But you open up a whole other can of worms, too, Ben. Uh, you know, I mean, that's I, that's part of the reason why I think you didn't see a huge fine on the team. Five million, I mean, that's that's a huge fine to you or me. But in terms of the team, it wasn't like 30 million because I think the players union might not have liked that, right? They would have said, wait a second, wait a second. You got 30 million that you can't give out in free agent contracts next year now. So um, I think there's a delicate balance there with all of this. And uh, I don't know, there could be some player discipline before it's all said and done that comes out of it that we just don't know about yet. Um, it's hard to tell, but uh, it's, 
it's fascinating, and I know this, this conversation is not going to stop today. This is going to be a conversation that, that lingers through most of spring training and probably through the early part of the season. Yeah, there's no doubt. And as you said, we're starting to see the re- some of the residual effects with Alex Cora and Boston and, and, and you know, who, who knows what's, what's left to come after this. How much of the punishment do you feel from Rob Manfred is this isn't going to be the next thing in baseball? This isn't going to be the next steroids that just linger and there's going to be this gray area and this Hall of Fame question. How much of this was this is going to end and this is going to end now? Yeah, I think there was plenty of that. I think he felt the pressure. He, he knows what it was like through the steroid era, and, and that was – certainly challenging because how do you prove and how, you know, how do you get guys to, to, to take drug tests and then you know, get an accurate one. And then, I mean, that was a, that was a challenging era for major league baseball to police that and to get it under control and to put a policy, just even get a policy in place, a drug testing policy in place. I mean, that was, that was hard enough to get the players and the, and the players union and everything else to agree to that. So, um, this was different. I think he saw an opportunity to kind of to make a statement right out of the gate and make an example, and I think that's what he's going to do and what he has done in many ways, and hopefully this will be the end of it. There are plenty of teams that have come out. And so, I mean, the team I play for, the Brewers, uh, Lorenzo Cain came out yesterday and said he didn't think the penalties were steep enough, so that's a pretty strong statement. Um, Zach Davies, who now is a San Diego Padre, but he came out a couple of weeks ago at the Friar Fest in San Diego and basically said, hey, in Milwaukee, we didn't do this type of thing. And that's not the only organization that feels that way. So um, I think for those that that weren't doing this type of elaborate sign stealing, uh, they'd like to see this get under control right away and get everybody on an even playing field. Yeah, and then I guess the last part to this is, you know, basically the, the, when the Dodgers, are they're, they're the other part to this, as you said, and, you know, there's there's no doubt that they they want to voice their opinions, but they can't. They kind of put out that statement saying, you know, this, this is ongoing, we can't talk about it, blah, blah, blah. What do you think about um, the suppressing of, of other people coming out and, and, and having a say in what's going on or, or viewing their opinions on it? Well, I just don't know that. I personally don't know that the Dodgers would have a lot to gain by coming out and talking about it. You know, people can talk about suppressing them or whatever. I, I don't look at it that way. I, I don't know what they gain by coming out and talking about it. Uh, they're not going to hoist a World Series trophy uh, in retrospect. It's not going to be awarded to them now. And so um, I think their best play is to just show up to spring and say, we're getting back to the World Series this year. And we're going to try to win it all. I mean, their their window's still very much open. They've got a great team, and uh, if I were them, I'd use it as a motivating factor. You know, internally, you can say, "Hey, we feel like a couple of World Series might have been stolen from us. Let's go. Let's go. Make sure nobody does that to us this year." Um, but beyond that, I, I I don't know that you gain a lot by coming out and talking about it if you're the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, that's it's certainly an interesting dynamic, and. No one's ever dealt with anything like this before, so I'm trying to cover all their bases. Certainly interesting news coming out of Major League Baseball, and yeah, I don't, I don't think we were even close to hearing the end of it. Well, uh, buddy, one of your uh, old good friends, Mr. Doc Sadler, is going to be here in about 20 to 30 minutes. Any messages you want me to pass along? Oh, well, not on air. <laughs> um, <laughs> just tell the good doctor hello for me, and uh, – 
I'm glad he's back in Lincoln where he belongs. And uh, I, I do. I need to catch up with Doc one of these days. So um, tell him, you know, he can look for a text from me one of these days. All right. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to hear his response to that, as I can imagine. I I, I will not be. I got so related. much more I'd like to say, but I just I think I need to play it conservative. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that I'll be able to relay his message on the radio either. Um, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. Lane, it's great catching up with you, man. Hopefully you have a, you have a nice uh, time with family here for the next few weeks before you head out to the desert. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. Sports Nightly Wednesday Night Edition. Thanks to everybody for joining us here tonight. Ben McLaughlin, Nate Rohr with you. Josh Hilkeman and Tim Curran producing for us here tonight. we got the Nebraska Men's Basketball Radio Hour coming up in about 15 to 20 minutes or so. But before we address basketball, let's talk some Nebraska volleyball with Nebraska head coach John Cook. And uh, obviously with Coach Cook, uh, another situation where he's looking for an assistant coach and an offseason isn't really an offseason. Beach right around the corner. It's kind of a rinse repeat for you, isn't it? I'm getting used to it, so, uh, but I think it's just a great compliment to our program and, and the type of coaches we're hiring and, and people are, you know, other programs are trying to hire them. So uh, I, don't know, I don't know if I get your rinse and repeat thing, but uh, it's something we're used to and I've always got a plan in the back of my head, you know, if we lose a coach and um, so I feel really good about, you know, going forward and, and what we were able to pull off. What's it like for you to, you know, see kind of this all this manifest? We talked, you know, a few months ago, kind of about the big scope of Nebraska volleyball. In this case, it's Kayla. You know, she comes here and goes to play with the Olympic team, comes back here, and now, you know, the head coach at at Ole Miss. I know you'd, you'd love to have her here, but what's it like kind of seeing, you know, her journey take a next step, and you know, you kind of just sit back and watch now. Well, there's great satisfaction in any time one of our coaches gets hired because. Uh, you know, I, I just—it's kind of a validation of what we're doing and what our program's about. Um, for Kayla, we, her, and I were both blown away when our season was over. How many programs were contacting her about coaching? So, um, Old Miss really put out the red carpet. They flew her on a private jet, same one Lane Kiffin was on. And uh, anyway, it's, I think it's a new AD there, and he's getting after it. And he didn't mess around. And uh, so that was pretty cool because I think she could have waited and had several other options. But Mississippi stepped up to the plate. She got a great contract, um, and she was able to take uh, Bo, our uh, video guy, with her, who will be a coach there. So and his whole thing coming here was he wanted to come here video with us and then become a coach. So it was, it was a two-for-two two deal cool until you come back to the office and then realize that now you have a hole to fill um i know you kind of keep a, a short list in your mind of of who could potentially fill that void and you know tyler is a guy that had a huge impact here when he was here and obviously this place had a big impact on him how soon in your mind did it register that you know he's worth a phone call yeah well when he he was back in uh early november he comes back once a year and just hangs out and we talk volleyball and he watches things and you know I've kind of been using it as a consultant if you want to call it that just more of a you know he's one of my guys that I bounce things off of and I saw how much the last two years he came back and just how much fun he had here how he connected with people and so it was at that moment I put in the back of my head like man maybe Tyler maybe this is where this guy needs to be 
and just seeing how how the, all the dynamics worked out. So once uh, Kayla got hired, um, I called him and and we worked. Uh, again, I had to go to Bill Moose because I you know. You know, Tyler's in a position right now. He's running the USA Beach program. So it's not like, hey, Tyler, you want to come back and be an assistant again? It, there had to be more to it. And the associate head coach title, I'm going to give him more responsibility than when he had before. He's, he's going to get paid more. So I had to create a package for him that would entice him and his wife to make a move. And I think for their family, the timing's really good. He's, he's got a two-year-old. I think, I think, you know, they want to continue to build a family. And I just think being in LA and you know now all of a sudden I can, we get to raise a family in Nebraska so so he's making a pretty long-term move to back to the Midwest and you know we did the same thing you know we we started in San Diego went to went to Nebraska went back and wanted to be back in the Midwest so I guess it's a, it's a great story and great move for him and then the other thing that I had a hard time with is you know of course I want him here now but the chance for him to finish his deal there at USA, go to the Olympics, co coach and manage all these teams going to the Olympics. I think they'll have um, three men and three women's teams. Uh, that was kind of hard to work through for me. But the fact that Kelly wants to be going to coaching and she was able to, we were able to work a deal for her that she had to be here for the whole year. Um, and so I think it, it just worked out great. And now I get to mentor Kelly. She gets to be in our program. She'll be with us in the fall. And then a year from now, you know, we can see, does Kelly want to coach? And, you know, who knows what the next turnover is, you know? So I just think it's a it's a win-win for Kelly. I'm excited about that. Uh, and of course, getting Tyler back is, is it's a big hire. A lot of moving parts to this deal, as there always seems to be. But what what does it say to you about the impact that Nebraska had on Tyler to want to come back here? I know, you know, being around that Final Four team, it was clear the team had a big attachment to him, and a lot of the players were drawn to him. What type of impact do you think those players and this place had on him to maybe want to come give this another try? I, yeah, I just think it was a magical season, and uh, he did have a Im big impact not only on our team but on me as well and he he built some great relationships here in the short time that they were here but uh, you know Ben I've heard this I, I just heard it yesterday from I, I was uh, I, I was up at looking at I was up in Omaha at the furniture mart looking at something with my wife and I hear this story all the time we got our first volleyball tickets we got to go to a game we are hooked now and I think when you come here and experience this, our fans have do it, and I think the same thing happened to Tyler. Tyler is back, and as you mentioned, Kelly's kind of taking this new role. And I know every time this kind of happens for you, you kind of do some reflection of kind of where you're at as a as a coach, as a as a program. What what is this last month or two going back to the end of the season put in perspective for you about what's next? Um, it's. Um, you know, I, I just I feel a deep responsibility in Nebraska volleyball, and this is what I sold Bill Moose on, and I think Ronnie had, had to sign off on it, is that this is a state treasure. We have to do everything we can to protect Nebraska volleyball and keep it where it's at and keep selling out this arena and keep playing at a high level and keep attracting the best recruits here. And it feels like, you know, we continue to build this thing, even though we're, we're – you know, at the top, but you're still trying to push for that last, you know, 1%. And uh, so for me, it's it's about 
you know, protecting Nebraska volleyball as best we can and getting the best coaches, the best performance team people, the best players here and continuing to, to make the state proud of Nebraska volleyball. And I, I, you know, I love watching LSU football. Coach O, o, o he talks about representing the state of Louisiana, Louisiana. I mean, he says that over and over and over in every interview. And I feel the same thing here. We are representing the state of Nebraska and Nebraska is really proud of this program as they should be. Um, we mentioned the moving parts. One of those moving parts now coming up is your beach season. Uh, where are we at with this, you know, just in training for that and, you know, kind of your your visions and goals for, for this upcoming up season? Well, uh, Jalen and Kelly are going to coach beach, so they're actually leaving tomorrow uh, to go out and spend three days with Tyler. Jalen was out there for a week last year, but just uh, starting to build their relationship as coaches now, not as a coach player. Uh, and, uh, and then getting up up to speed on what they're doing on the beach out there. So that's already happening. And then we start next week with our team. We kind of give them the first week to figure out their classes and get squared away. Um, but we're going to play a full beach schedule. I think we're playing 24 matches maybe. And uh, what's going to be really interesting is we're going to go down to TCU and play in Dallas. Uh, we go to Hawaii again, uh, we play Hawaii under the lights, uh, and then we go back to California on the way back. But we're also going to play Wayne State volleyball. They're starting a, they're a sand team just like we have done. Their indoor team is going to become their beach team. So we're going to play them a couple times. And there's some other small schools, Park University down in Kansas we play. So we play some, you know, it's starting to build. And beach volleyball is here to stay. There's no question about it. But uh, our players are looking forward to it. They love it. Um, it's great cross training for us, and and like I I've said all along, you know if we use a football analogy, it would be like the linemen get to be quarterbacks, quarterbacks are linemen, the defensive guys get to be wide receivers or running backs. Everybody gets to do everything. So just think if you you put eleven guys out there and they got to do everything. That's what you have to do in beach, except there's only two guys out there on the court. Coach, we'll let you go with this. Obviously, with Beach, just getting those competitive juices flowing again for your players. How have they kind of bounced back after the end of the season and you know running into that buzzsaw up in Madison? How have they kind of responded and you know approached the the, the time, quote unquote, off before um, another season gets started? I, I interacted with some of them over the break, you know, and we had some players transfer, so there was some communication going on. But they know Omaha is less than a year away, and you know. We're going to do everything possible we can to get there. And again, we're returning our whole team from last year. Well, uh, the ones that are returning. Uh, and we learned a lot of great lessons last year. Our leaders now have a year under their belt. So I'm looking for them to step up. And, and I, what I just told them earlier today in our first team meeting was we, got, we were pretty good last year, but it wasn't good enough. So how are we going to go to a next level? And they've got to start starting tomorrow is when it starts and it's got to be every rep everything's got to have a purpose to it and they've got to be mindful about getting better because we are at a, a pretty good team but now we're trying to go to a whole new level and we got a you know 11 months to do it tonight it's the nebraska basketball radio show right here on the husker sports network here comes cam mack and you down 12 up top kibosh long three on the way got it Big, big, huge three by Mate Cavas. An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball. Dorbjarnison diagonally off the right side into the hands of Berg. Out at cross, to cross, shoots the three. Got it! Six-point ball game, my friends. With 2.28 to go, Kevin Cross nails a big, big three. His third trio of the afternoon. Tonight, 
assistant coach, Doc Sadler. Rebound by Thorgunison, down the floor. It's Cam Mack with it. Huskers down by six. Mack shoots an NBA three. Got it! Three-point ball game, timeout, Nebraska, with 50.4 seconds left to go. Holy smokes! Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Ben McLaughlin. Thank you and welcome to another edition of our Nebraska Men's Basketball Radio Show. Pleased to be welcomed in studio tonight by Nebraska assistant coach Doc Sadler. Is that still weird to hear, assistant oh, coach? It's pretty good, to be honest with you. Uh, I've been asked that several times, and as I've said, I sleep a lot better nowadays than I used to, and uh, so it's not all bad. You feel like you're just enjoying being around the sport more, and just kind oh, of- there's no question. I mean, you you go to practice, you uh, prepare, watch game, and go play the game, and uh, obviously, you, you know, you still uh, you still take it home a little bit, but you don't take it home near as much as you used to when you was a head coach, and it never left you when you was a head coach. Wasn't that long ago that uh, that our boy Seamus McKnight put together a little uh, a deal for the assistants once once you guys were uh, announced with Coach Hoiberg and uh, everyone was flooding over to your table, kind of asking what it was like to be back. You think of that what six eight months ago? Now that you've had a little time to get your feet under, what's it been like being back? Well, it was a lot better uh, the summer and fall. Because it was warmer. <laughs> yeah. Wow, how about this cold weather? But, uh, you know, it's been good. I mean, the people here always treated me and my family first class. And, uh, you know, so coming back, that wasn't an issue at all. That was going to be okay. It was just, uh, you know, making a decision to finally, uh, you know, knowing that you're not going to be a head coach anymore. And uh, really, it was pretty easy for me. The uh, 16 years I was a head coach, I enjoyed every bit and every minute of it, but at the same time uh, that I was at Southern Miss, really, really long, tough year. Uh, I felt like that we finally got that thing flipped around and, you know, won 20 games last year and had it, you know, in good, um, you know, on good foundation for somebody else to let them have a shot at it. And, you know, just so happened that the opportunity came. And, and I've said this to a lot of people that really there's only about two people that I would have done this with, and that was, you know, obviously – uh, coach uh, Horberg here and then uh, Coach Self at Kansas. Other than that, I probably would still be beating my head up against the wall down in Hattiesburg. I, I know, you know, you, that was a program that needed a lot of attention and needed a lot of help. But, you know, as a coach who invests so much, it's never an easy thing to leave that behind. Um, you know, what, what did that place end up meaning to you? You know, spending part of your life in, in Hattiesburg and trying to turn that thing around. Well, I mean, it's like every place. I mean, you put so much into it. People, uh, you know, come to the games for two hours a week, but they don't understand the other, you know, uh, 365 days of the year. I mean, it's something that never leaves you. And, uh, you know, we did have some issues to overcome down there. And uh, so it was even more, uh, I guess, not stressful. That's not the word because I think everybody, you know, has that kind of uh, – could use that word is just I guess frustrating and you know uh having so many new ADs and uh, having to overcome the NCA probation and the lack of scholarships all those things uh you know all together uh, made it uh made it made it uh you know those 365 days every day and so uh, but it was fine I, I wouldn't trade it for anything because 
really had a lot of uh, satisfaction in knowing, you know, the last two years we made it to the semifinals of the uh, of the uh, Conference, USA, Conference USA tournament. Um, you know, finished second in my last year there, and so there's some there's some good good times and. And, and probably uh, the seniors that we had in the program that we had last year that came in knowing that we was going to be on probation and things like that, and they stuck it out and then had the success they did, that's probably the most rewarding thing that I had. Yeah, pretty cool to, to have this, the selflessness there. Um, but then, of course, you decide to come to Lincoln, where I think when you were hired, we didn't really have a team. <laughs> there wasn't very yeah, many guys um, left. Uh, what, what was that like as a coach, you know, coming to a place and – basically figuring out how we're going to get enough bodies to put out there. Well, uh, again, uh, Matt Abdel-Mossi, Armand Gates, uh, you know, they did a nice job. And, and, you know, I got a lot of confidence in those guys. I didn't know Armand, uh, but Coach Lutz, who uh, I knew uh, from being at Charlotte and other places, um, you know, I've, I've probably enjoyed that relationship as much as any because he and I get a, a chance to sit around and just talk basketball about how things uh, were at other places, but also now during the season on, uh, you know, how to maybe uh, defend the other team and, and things like that. So you continue to learn the game. And he, uh, his knowledge of the game is, is, is very, very high. And uh, so I've enjoyed the, the – uh, I guess cross the hallway talks with him also. Let's get into a, a little bit of last night, and I feel like every night we've had a league game, we've said this, but the bigs on the other team, we've seen some of the best in the league already. Um, obviously, with Garza and, and last night with Wesson, um, it's a big challenge defensively, especially uh, the size deficiencies that we had. What, what was the what was the goal, coach, and and prepping for them and you know, throwing another tough challenge to Ivan and Kevin and, you know, what they can do on their perimeter as well. Well, I, I was watching uh, the Big Ten Network uh, earlier tonight, and I don't know that there's ever been a season where there's so many big guys. Uh, every team, it seems like, has someone that uh, everyone's talking about. Uh, you know, uh, obviously Indiana has the freshman and Davis and, then you go, uh, you know, to Wisconsin. That guy there's averaging 25 points a game now. And then you go to Rutgers and the big guy they got. So every team has one. So it's not something that uh, we're surprised by. Uh, obviously, we change a lot of things up defensively, uh, depending on who you are. But one thing that we do know uh, going into every game uh, we're, we're going to be mismatched inside as far as size is concerned. So uh, we've got to do things to try to help them. You you threw a a lot at uh, Garza when they were here, and it was it was the, the coolest part is watching how those yeah. kids bought into that game plan and just raiding everything. And you know when they had an injury on the outside with Frederick that you know freed some things up and obviously let let McCaffrey take as many shots as he wanted to take. With Ohio State, they've got some guys that can really fill it up behind the perimeter. How difficult is that to do when you got guys that can make that shot? Well, the brother, Wesson, yeah. got off to a great start, you know, three for three. But, uh, you know, uh, as far as the big guy, we held him to 14 points. Um, you know, Dick Bennett from uh, Wisconsin and Tony Bennett's dad always told me that, um, you know, if a big guy beats you, that's the coach's fault uh, because you, sh you should be able to try to 
defend the post. Uh, you can do so many different things. So I've been pleased with the way the guys have done. Uh, and Coach Horberg uh, has, uh, you know, his his basketball IQ, uh, not just on the offensive end, but the whole whole game is is so high. And uh, uh, he has some great ideas and uh, – you know, we just try to get together and try to figure something out that might uh, might confuse somebody or might help us with uh, with defending the post. What are your interpretations of how guys like Ivan and Kevin have done? I mean, they haven't yeah. seen the competition that they've seen, and they have to play whether they're ready or not. How have they held up against yeah. some of these guys? Well, not only are not on, not only are they small, uh, they're freshmen. I mean, you know, you're you're playing against maybe the best big men in the country, uh, and it's not just one night; it's two, three, four nights, you know. And uh, the beating that you take, because the thing that uh, Coach and I was talking about on the plane on the way home is is just how physical this league is, and, and it's something you can talk about. And I, and when I was in it before, it's something that I came away with, but. That hasn't changed. Uh, you know, I watched the first half tonight of Indiana Rutgers, and one team had four fouls, and the other team had three. And you know, it was a very a lot of bodies were on the on the floor. You just don't get calls, and so uh, you know that's another adjustment. So it's not only adjustment uh, size wise for Kevin and Ivan, but it's just a, an adjustment how physical the game is for them. You've seen a lot of basketball teams in your career good rebuilding southern miss kansas nebraska you've been around a lot of teams that have, that have started in a lot of different spots and when when you're a team like we have right now with so many new players there are going to be some speed bumps along the way it's what makes the other end so great is going through times like this how, how would you evaluate just where the guys are at right now kind of taking this season by stride and you know guys like hanif and mate who this is their last year you know trying to help to get this thing off the ground when there are going to be some speed bumps along the way. Well, one of the things that uh, that I really enjoyed at Iowa State that when I was with Fred was just the the, uh, the ability offensively for him to make your team better on that end. I mean, you look at our team. I mean, we're pretty much young and all new, and you know. Uh, Going into last night's game, we were first uh, in the league uh, in assist. We were first in assist to turnovers, I think, and maybe now dropped a second in assist. But the pace of the game, uh, we lead the Big Ten in the pace of the game and then topped uh, 15 nationally. Uh, so I knew offensively, you know, uh, as soon as these guys – and it will only get better in year two, three, or four uh, because the biggest – the biggest uh, – I guess hurdle as a assistant coaches is trying to keep coach from just moving so fast, uh, you know, because his mind is just unbelievable as far as what he can do and how he can pick teams apart. And uh, more than anybody I've ever worked for, does he game to game adjust on the offensive end? Uh, but at the same time, we're still all young, and it's the first time these guys have been through it. So all the statistics offensively that uh, you know have us ranked where we're at doesn't surprise me at all uh, you know the one thing the two things that I think uh, were I think number one in the league as far as rim shots but we're also 14th in made rim shots and then the other thing is our free throw shooting it just blows my mind um, that that we're 350 out of 353 teams at the free throw line 
when coach is such a good uh, shooting coach. But free throws are mental. Uh, but if you add those two things to our team, if you add the you know the rim rim makes uh, or the the free throws, then this team this team would. Uh, have a few more wins. But that didn't surprise me because uh, what he is able to do offensively. Finishing up thoughts on, on last night's game. I mean, we can – with so much unknown from, from night to night with, with this group of players, I think what we've seen is what we're going to get in terms of fluctuation with the score. But one thing that I know you're probably evaluating every night is effort. How do you mm-hmm. how hard do you think the boys played last night? Well, this team has to play hard. And, uh, you know, it's not – it's not a team, I guess, that's going to make a lot of what you would consider a hustle plays, taking charges, uh, those type of things. But it's a team that plays hard, um, and that may not make a lot of sense. But it's all you know. We have to scramble so much in the half court because we trap the post and then, and then we rotate on the perimeter a lot. So as an, on the offensive end, you're a team that. Uh, that's always moving on the defensive end. We're doing the we're doing it also, and I thought last night uh, again we just had trouble making some easy baskets, and uh, you know it's easy uh, if we could have kept the if we could have kept the pressure on Ohio State because they had struggled a little bit. Who knows what would have happened? But when you're shooting in your 10, 15, 20 points up, there's not a lot of pressure on you, and we weren't able to keep that pressure on them last night. Back one final time here on the Nebraska Men's Basketball Radio Hour with Nebraska assistant coach Doc Sadler. Huskers will take on Indiana this weekend. They're in a dogfight right now with Rutgers at the rack and Piscataway. Once again, Indiana trying to claw back from a deficit much like they did against Northwestern a week ago. And they'll get ready to head to Pinnacle Bank Arena here very soon. (coughs) Coach, obviously yesterday didn't go the way we wanted it to, but this week wasn't all bad news. Put a young man on scholarship this this week, Charlie Easley. Yeah, uh, you know, going back, we was talking about Thor and some of the guys, Hanif. You know, Charlie's been a guy that uh, it's funny when uh, I got a call uh, the day that Charlie was coming in to meet with uh, Coach Horberg, and that call was from Bo Pelini, and Bo uh, obviously knew their family and things and. And Bo says, Doc, uh, he is uh, one of the toughest kids I've ever been around. He's a winner. All the things that you would expect a coach to think is very, very important. And, uh, you know, Charlie, all the things that Bo said that he was, uh, he was. And and he is. Uh, He's there early every day. He's the last one to leave. Uh, He works harder than anybody that's on our team. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about it. He's, uh, he's earned everything he's got. We talked a little bit about the Italy trip, um, you know, a much less serious tone last segment. But one of the amazing things was watching him work in that last game, led the team in scoring and did a lot of different ways, made some threes, got some steals, got some layups. I mean, he was everywhere. Well, that's just him. And the thing that he does that people never notice and, and they won't ever notice it is that he's going to make the guy – on our team better each and every day that he defends because he's going to he's going to give it everything he's got and he's going to uh, you're not going to be allowed to take a day off because if you do then he's going to make you look bad 
Yeah, Charlie easily put on scholarship. Good news <clears throat> there for the uh, the freshman out of Pius. Mentioned Pinnacle Bank Arena. Not too bad, not yeah. too shabby coming 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 yeah. back to this. What do you think of this place? Well, you know, I'll always love Devaney more because I was in it for five years, six years, I guess. But, uh, you know, I'd heard so much about it, and I can't wait for uh, Saturday to get here because, uh, you know, it's been it's been awesome so far. But I hear in conference play it's even better once the students get back. So students will be back Saturday. Uh, they're back now. Uh, so I can't wait uh, to have that home court advantage that everybody talks about. I mean, you you tasted it at the, at the Devaney a little bit. You have, you have is there a game particular game that sticks out? I mean, there obviously the Texas game. That, that was a, uh, Texas, Indiana, yeah. Indiana. Yeah. We, we wanted Indiana uh, probably, and we uh, you know when we were hurt, we'd lost the four starters by that time for the whole year, and you know was just trying to hang in there and. Uh, probably played as good a game as we played all year yeah i mean i think back to those teams and uh, brandon ubell and siobhan shields and yeah and uh some great ones i mean the, go the, back the one that you said don't, don't love to play defense there was yeah, one guy yeah. benny parker yeah that benny, guy loved playing defense armand uh, i mean uh, alex merrick lance uh lance jeter yeah. uh sack henry steve hart i could go through oh, tony yeah. mccray bunch of them so uh, you know, let's uh, let's let's pack the pinnacle. What do they what do they say? Break the vault, or yeah, fill the vault yeah. or something. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it Saturday. Thanks for coming, in, man. Appreciate, Appreciate you, it. man. Thanks. Doc, Doc Sadler with us here tonight on the Nebraska Basketball Radio Hour. That's it for us. Thanks to Doc for coming in. Thanks to Seamus McKnight for providing all the statistical knowledge we could ever need. Thanks to all of you for listening. Nate's back with me from the eight o'clock hour sports nightly. It's coming up next. Stay with us. Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end motion. They roll right. Bowers throws pass. It's not going to Eli Sullivan knocks the football away, and the Huskers have a goal line stand taking over the one. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Rohr. Third and final hour on a Sports Nightly Wednesday. Thanks to everybody for sticking with us throughout the night. Also, big thank you to Nebraska assistant coach Doc Sadler for spending an hour of his time with us last hour. Just put a tweet out, Nate. I, I just love talking to him. I mean, nothing but um, genuine, honest thoughts from him every time you, you hear from him. And, um, you know, you talk to a guy like that and typically – there's some radio gold to come out of it in no, an hour. No question about it. Doc's a fun guy to hear from. And, of course, now he's got the range of experiences being the head coach here, now be, being able to back off a little bit and be an assistant coach here. And uh, it's just fun to hear from him. And, of course, he's got a great knowledge of what to do on the defensive end of the floor. You know, there were so many great parts to that Italy trip. You know, the food, looking at the Coliseum, and, of course, just watching Doc Sadler act like a – <laughs> pull out his inner child and just have a blast oh boy yeah i i would imagine doc would have fun over there he did he uh he killed it so appreciate him for stopping by huskers will take on indiana at pba on saturday coming up here in just a second we'll have buy sell ben and nate style see if things get any better 
uh, from last time we played. I don't think it could get much worse. Uh, and we'll have some room for some calls tonight as well. 866-HUSKER-1, the number 866-487-5371, the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. It's time to buy, sell. It's time to buy or sell. Buy sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's, your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made from scratch sides, and award-winning desserts. Famous Dave's, we do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Tim Curran Sold. and Josh Elkerman. That's right. Tim Curran is back on Buy Sell. With a vengeance. Been a Welcome while. back, Tim. No, thank you. I appreciate it. You're I'm here take to take your vengeance out on us because Tom Brady can't win a game or what? Okay, that was uncalled for, but I'm going to brush it off for, no. for vengeance. Ben, um, I feel done. Ben, you've no. learned your lesson. You got to throw the shots first before oh, yeah. they get thrown yeah. at you. I'm, I'm done taking the first punch of the fight. I'm, I'm coming out <laughs> swinging from here on. Look, out. I'm Smart. here to do two things: snap necks, cash checks. <laughs> if Tom Brady plays like he did this year, next year like he did this year, the NFL is nothing to worry about. I mean, wow. look, let's let's not go there. How many, how many rings does your sweet Patrick Mahomes have versus Tom Terrific six? Give Let's, me three weeks, buddy. Yep. <laughs> three. I can't wait till uh, Mike Vrabel and, and company uh, destroy your dreams, but we shall wow. see. I'll, I'll do a kind of like they did yours. Oh, look, the dreams can't be ruined when you've already lived the dream six times. You know what I mean? It's all good. That's what I'm saying. All right. Clock's ticking on y'all. Speaking <laughs> of the clock ticking, let's uh, let's move along from. That's enough Tom Brady talk for. Oh yeah. A long yeah, he ain't playing. Right. He's sitting watching. Yeah, Ben and Nate are the ones that are playing. In fact, this is the second straight week that we've played a Ben and Nate by sell. I think that has to be a record. So yeah, that? it is definitely. Uh, ben, you kind of recapped it a little bit before you threw to the open there, but you were you were ahead by one point going into last week, and then you lost five points, and so now you're down four going into this week. Which I feel like that's all I do in buy sell is play from behind. Well, I mean, yeah, you, this you, doesn't phase me. You may as well, yeah, be there. So the. We're setting this up. So this is the fourth week of questions for season two. The next time we play will be the fifth week of questions. So once those questions are in the books, then the next time we play after that will be the conclusion of season two. Very good. There you go. Let's jump into the answers that we have. We don't have a lot. We've kind of been swinging back and forth. A lot of questions one week, a lot of answers (laughs) the next. Well, that's because you have no idea the time period in between. That's exactly correct. But we only have four answers to give you this week. A lot more questions, though, so let's jump into the answers first. First one from November 20th, a college football question. And we asked by ourselves that there would be at least 150 points scored in the college football playoffs. So the semifinals and the national championship, those three games combined 150 points. The answer, a bye, 210 points Ooh, were baby. scored. Mm. It was actually very close to being a bye after the first two games, the two wow. semifinals, but not quite. Thanks, and Joe Burrow. Went r- way over it with the uh, national championship. You guys both bought it, and you were both right. So okay. good work. Good Damn. start. Yes. One for one. Not bad. All right, moving on to the NFL. This one was asked on December 11th. Buyer saw that Lamar Jackson would rush for at least 70 yards in his first playoff game. Well, the answer ended up being a bye. He ran for 143 yards, but of course uh, it wasn't good for anything because they lost the Titans, so Lamar can just, just run home, I suppose. Yes. Uh, ben, right with the bye. Nate, incorrect with a sell. No, last time I trust him. I just love how <laughs> bitter the Patriots fans are. They're out of the playoffs, so Tim's oh, like every boy. other Patriots fan I've been around. All right, enjoy, enjoy your throwing shots at everybody. happiness, Ben. 
Chiefs will soon rue the day. So bitter. <laughs> You're out. Deal with it. Man. They'll be back in soon enough. We'll see. All right. <laughs> Moving on to uh, answers that we have from questions asked last week when we played. This one from College Football by Ourselves that Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence would account for at least seven touchdowns in the national championship game. The answer was a bye. They accounted for exactly seven, and Burrow did most of the work. He had six. Lawrence had one. It was a rushing touchdown. So it was a bye. You guys both bought it, and you were both right. Burrow couldn't even do it by himself. Yeah. Wow, that's something. And how about Trevor Lawrence throwing for zero touchdowns? Zero. Go get a haircut, you Zero. Wow. Jeez. So much hostility on this program right now. What did you guys do last hour? I mean, we just had Doc Sadler in here. It's not like you had to listen to sandpaper rub against a chalkboard or something like that. (laughs) I've been coughing for the last two weeks. I'm in a bad mood. Oh, yeah. We feel for I actually feel, yeah, I actually feel that. All right. Yeah, people should feel for me because I have to go back to the NFL and relive this pain. Buy or sell the three of the four teams with a better record would win their matchup uh, in the divisional round. The answer was a buy. Exactly three. The only team with the worst record was, wouldn't you know it, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, ben and Nate both right with a buy. How about them apples? Good I work. Like it. So, Ben, you had a solid week, four of four. Not bad. Nate, three of four. Also not bad, but you did give up a point to Ben. So now it's a three-point lead, 16 to 13. We can Nate. do that. We, we yeah. fought in bigger holes than this. Yeah, you've got, you got two two whole rounds of this questions isn't, This isn't even falling down 24 nothing. Oh, boy. No, not even close. That is not – wouldn't even be a, a Chief-style comeback to make this happen. All right, this is going to be – Tim is scoffing over there. The, the look that <laughs> Tim just gave. Just, just insufferable already. Well, moving right along. Jumping right into this week's questions. Husker men's basketball. Buy or sell at Nebraska will score at least 85 points or more in a road game the remainder of the regular season. Of course, I feel the way that Josh even worded this question, the, the doubt seems to be Okay, can you read it again, please? Well, of course. Because you said please. Buy or sell that Nebraska scores 85 points or more in a road game the remainder okay. of the regular So we're season. talking just road games. Just okay. road games. And just the men? Just the men. Okay. And overtime can be included if a game okay. goes overtime, which this I'll go team first, has done a lot. I feel like you went first last time. Sorry, Josh, I ran over. No, you're good. You I just was talking about overtime does count. Okay, gotcha. 85. Oscars scored 68 yesterday. You got the schedule in front of you there? I'm looking at it. They, uh, Nate's not going to share the schedule. You have to look yeah, it up yourself. Yeah, you, you make it up yourself. No, <laughs> uh, they they cleared 85 at Indiana. And I think that's the only time. What do they got left? So roadies left include at Wisconsin, at Rutgers, at Iowa, at Maryland, at Illinois, at Michigan, at Minnesota. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh, eighty-five. <laughs> that's a big number. I'll buy it, and I say it's against Iowa. Wow. Mm. All right. Yeah, that's my inclination too. Is that? That's a lot of points. That, that is, a lot, is of points. a lot of points, even even for as up tempo as Fred and this team is. But you've seen on nights when they click, it they, they can, can get there. They can put points up. They sure can. You know what? I'm going to sell. It, it, it's been a tough year for Big Ten teams on the road. I'm going to sell. Okay. 
Let's move over to the Nebraska women's basketball team. Buy or sell that Nebraska will post a four-game winning streak or longer the rest of the season. This time we will include postseason. So a four-game winning streak the rest of the year. Hmm. Hmm. I feel pretty good about the way they played this year. They have played well. Yeah, I'm a, I'll take it. I'll buy it. Okay. Oh, man. Such a tough league. I believe. I'll buy it. All right. Just because I listened to the podcast on the way to work today, and I'm kind of like all in <laughs> right now. Yeah. So. Let's yeah, go. Real company man, Ben McLaughlin. I uh, got a Husker baseball question. Buy or sell that Nebraska's pitching staff post 12 strikeouts in a non-conference game. Well, gentlemen, I don't know if you have your your pocket schedules ready, so I can I'm willing to read off the entire non-con if you would like. But anyway, <laughs> 12 strikeouts in a game. Baylor, San Diego, San Diego State, Arizona, Arizona State, Columbia, Northern Colorado, Wichita State, Kansas State, UNLV, Air Force, K State, Creighton, blah blah. There you go, and UNO. I have the honors on this one, don't I? You do. No, or no way read it. It's me. Yeah, oh, it's you. Yeah, I went right. first. Um, I don't know why, but I just looked this up the other day. I want to say the Huskers got to 12 strikeouts three times last year. Were they in non-conference games? Um, I believe two of them were. But this is a new staff, right? Well, pretty much all brand new guys on the mound. Yeah, starting. They, they'll lose their entire starting rotation. But this is combined, right? Or is this one guy? No, it's it's a staff. Okay. Can, yeah, it's combined. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it. I think they get there. Okay. Yeah, I'll buy it as well. You just there there will be a game where you run into somebody and the starter strikes out nine or ten in six innings, and you well, you up, hope. Yeah, that'd be okay. That'd be good news for you. Yeah, I'll buy it. There you go. Well, let's switch over to softball next. Buy or sell that Nebraska hits three home runs in at least two games the first two weekends of the season. Ooh. Ooh. This is an interesting one. So, the yeah, the first, first weekend they play five games in Las Cruces, playing New Mexico State once, UTEP twice, and then Bradley and Arkansas once. And then the next week is the Big Ten ACC Challenge, playing Georgia Tech and Boston College twice each. So two games with three homers or more. Right. So two of two of the nine games have to have three home runs or more for it to be a buy. Yes. Um, ball typically carries pretty well in Las Cruces. Uh, UTEP is retooling. They, they uh, fired... Former Husker Tobin Echo Hawk is coach. They typically don't have much pitching. This is a buy for me. I, I think there are a couple of games. I think it'll happen in Las Cruces, especially if Tristan Edwards could say anything to hit. Okay, Ben. Is their softball team just like their baseball team where they just try and bash the ball to the ballpark and that's it? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Um, two different games of three homers or more? Yes. I mean that is a pretty big number. It, it is. is a big number, yeah. It's not, it's not in, un, insubstantial, but it's. Uh, I'll be different. I'll sell it just because okay. I, I don't really know anything about this team. 
That's that, one, that one really tortured Ben. Very. <laughs> <laughs> Not as much as the first one. Ben was no. struggling with that first one. Uh, yeah. I got a college basketball cue for you all. Buy or sell that Gonzaga, maybe also known as Gonzaga, loses another regular season game. They're currently 18-1 and one with their only loss coming to Michigan. Huh. Weird things have been happening all year. Um, that league's not very good, though. Do they have St. Mary's left, I wonder? Ah, it's a good thing we have the internet. Yeah, there is yes. there is the internet. This is a search. Uh, my computer has not had Gonzaga basketball. <laughs> we're, we're not thinking too much about the Zags. I mean, they're number so. one. Let's go. Uh, Playing let's Santa Clara I'm pretty tomorrow. sure they've played them once already. Uh, they play at St. Mary's February the 8th. They're going to lose. All right. I'm selling. Selling Ben. Ben is selling. They still play they still BYU twice. BYU. Yeah. Oh, and they've got another. They end the season with St. Mary's at home. And they have the aforementioned game February the 8th. Yeah, I got to sell this. Especially this year in college basketball. I don't trust Gonzaga to go undefeated for the next two months. I don't know that they drop more than one or two, but they, they drop at least one more. All right. Sticking with college basketball by sell that Michigan State wins the Big Ten regular season title and by at least three games. Whew. That's aggressive. That is aggressive, but... I, the first part I can buy... I, I've got the honors here, don't I? Yes. Okay. Okay. The first part I can buy... I don't know about the second part. I, I'm i going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. Okay. Their lead right now is just one. Yeah. By three games? Yeah. God, that's a big number. It is. They are good. Um... Second place right now is Illinois. There's a tie. Illinois, well, I don't know if they've added in Rutgers' win yet, but Rutgers will go to within a half game with their win tonight, I believe. I think they do it. I'm going to buy it. Ooh. Not real confident, though. All right. We'll learn the answer in a couple months. Okie doke. Switching gears to the NFL. Buyer sold that there's at least 100 points scored in the AFC and NFC championship games. I think we can both – safely assume that Titans are good for probably 72 points or so. Yeah. Oh, Tim. <laughs> That's inaccurate, Tim. That's inaccurate <laughs> and libelous, and I want you to take it back now. Uh, I'll, I'll sit on that one. We'll, we'll, we'll see come game day. 72 points, wow. I don't think they got that in. Oh, man. 100 yeah. points? Yeah, just to clarify, it's 100 points combined, not each yeah. game. That'd be a lot. I'm worried about that that NFC game. Why? Because I don't know that very many people are scoring very many points on the Niners. No. If you add the over-unders up between the two games, you'd get to about 98. So. Yeah. I figured it was Vegas had some influence on this question. Yes. Mm. Uh, I, I have no idea what the weather is going to be like on Sunday in Kansas City. Do you? Uh, I think it's supposed to be even a little warmer than it Is was. It? Okay. Uh, I'll sell it. And the only reason I'm selling it is San Francisco. Okay. Ben, you're usually a points guy, but... Yeah, I am. Yeah. 
I mean, the Chiefs are playing better defensively. The way the Titans play offensively could keep... Derrick Henry rushed for 4,000 yards the last time these teams played. Right. And and that'll keep the clock moving, so that'll keep the AFC score now. Unless he runs right in the end zone. Yeah, he, he goes 75 yards a tote. That happens, I'll start crying. I'll sell this to you. I, 100 feels like a lot to me um, because, I, like I said, I think Chiefs, uh, Chiefs ta- uh, Titans is a little lower scoring than you would think, and San Francisco's playing pretty well defensively. Okay. Sticking with the NFL, by sell that the winning quarterbacks on Sunday pass for at least 600 yards combined. So now you're asking who wins those games. Ah. And if it's the Chiefs, then you're looking at a lot better chance of a buy. Yeah, I'll buy this. And Tim is giving me a really... scowling about Yeah, yeah, that's... Because, I mean, even 600 yards, I mean, you think about it, you got to throw probably about 250 to win, don't you? Uh, unless you're Tannehill the threw for like 80 against the Patriots. Yeah, unless you're the Titans. Right. Like, but. The, the only way this hat, but Mahomes will throw for between 250 and 300. And you figure even if it's a defensive struggle out in San Francisco, you know, Rodgers and uh, Garoppolo should be good for 200 each. Man, that should get you there. I, I'm it's, the, it's the winning quarterbacks, though. So it's oh, only the two, winning yeah, quarterbacks. It's the winning quarterbacks. Maybe I should listen, huh? I can still erase your bye because yeah, Tannehill's going to put on a clinic. I think we're all comfortable in assuming. No, that. I'm buying. I, I'm still going to buy. Okay, because I think Patrick Mahomes puts up a big number. Wham. Okay. Yeah. All right. What? Wait. What about Ben? Oh, can I, I was play? I ready or? to move past Ben. I mean, <laughs> I'll look all loud this time, but you know. Um. Man, I don't know. I'm going to sell it. I, I don't. I don't see it. Okay. Tom Brady doesn't see it either. He threw for just 300 <laughs> yards one time after <laughs> October 21st this Man. year. Oh, noodle arm! Look, uh, uh, he knows his strengths. He knows that he can rely on his defense. <laughs> one he time. He knows he can hand it off to That's his right. running backs. That's right. All right. Uh, got an NBA one now what? for you. NFL. No, it's NBA, right? No. Super Bowl. <laughs> no, Patriots fans so rattled right now. <laughs> Can't even follow like, along his the own season's sheet. over. We got eliminated. Pretty much. I mean, look, <laughs> we'll just get past these. Lat- no. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll follow Josh's lead. Uh, NFL buyers so that the winning team in the Super Bowl, Tennessee, wins by at least four <laughs> points and leads the entire fourth quarter. Mm. Let's get weird. I'll sell it. Okay. Hoping for or a good game. Weird. I'll buy it. What the heck? Let's be different. Okay. I mean, I Mahomes throws for 11 million yards. <laughs> they Yeah, they're going to be up by at least 24 points by the end of the third quarter, and then they'll just cruise to the victory. So. Nur- nurse it on in. Yep. yep. Love it. Sticking with the NFL, buy or sell that the Super Bowl MVP is a quarterback. When you If he throws for that many yards, Nate, you'd want to think that he's the MVP, right? Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, I'm like quintupling down that the Texan <laughs> or that the Titans don't win this game because right. if, if <laughs> the way this goes bust is if Derrick Henry makes it to the Super Bowl. Yep, and if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I'm not going to go to work. I'm just going to. No, no, that's fine. We'll, we'll come to your house. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Uh, so, so, buy it. All right. Ben? Uh, I'm going to sell it. It's too many weird things happen in the Super Bowl. Even even the the NFC side. Assuming yeah. whoever wins that game wins the Super Bowl. It's not a slam dunk Aaron Rodgers wins it. It's not true, a slam true. dunk that Garoppolo wins it. In fact, I would call it an upset if Garoppolo won it. So Right, but we're thinking that the Chiefs win it. and I, I'm Mahomes. a Chiefs fan. I'm a pessimist, so okay. I'm selling it. <laughs> All right. And, and hey, maybe maybe Bashad Breeland gets two pick sixes. I've, I've been slamming that guy, but he has been playing better lately. He's been playing quite a bit better. Thank okay with God. There was really only one direction to go for being honest. All right, now the NBA. Yeah, now the NBA. I was chomping at the bit to ask this. This was one. a good question, though. Uh, buy or sell that Zion Williamson averages at least ten points in the first three games he plays. That's the easiest buy of the night. There you go. Yeah, ten. I've watched the Pelicans play too many times this year to know to think otherwise. Yeah, that's a buy. I've not watched the Pelicans yet this year. Good for I'm, you. I, it's, it's, you don't want to know what it is? Uh, it's them passing around the perimeter mm-hmm. and Lonzo Ball taking a three or Brandon Ingram shooting. That's what it is. So basically – J.J. Redick will shoot four or five threes a game. That's pretty much it. This That's their placeholder offense until Zion yes. shows up. Yep. Give me, give me Z. All right. Buying. One more NBA question. Buy or sell that James Harden <laughs> – Scores at least 525 points between tonight and the All-Star game. Rockets about, so that's 15 games total, including tonight's game, which they tip off here in a couple minutes. What's the point total? 525, which is right around his average. It's also how many points will be scored in the All-Star game. Um, yeah. Oh, this is you. Yeah, um... I'm going to sell this because I'm going to guess he sits a game or two down the stretch. Okay. If if he does sit a game, he'd still be very close to that number. I'm buying two. it. He, right. He's as durable as is. He's on my fantasy team. He knows he needs to score for Let's Get Tropical. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a buy. Love it. Fear the beard, baby. He had like 40-something the other night. Yeah. 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 He, he can score. I just don't trust him. And you don't like him. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, closing things out tonight with a tennis question right in your guys' wheelhouse here. Uh, buy or sell that Serena Williams or Novak Djokovic win the Australian Open. But not both. So they can't both win it. Just one or the other. Uh, sell? I don't know. <laughs> the <laughs> like convincing. Ben, Supreme ben really sold us there. <laughs> Tennis is not my forte. It's not my forehand. Yep. Yeah. Well, you don't. You don't have any confidence in the Joker. I mean, come on. Yeah, no. I'll, I'll sell this too. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, that's good to know. Well, if you have no idea, then at least be different. But that's might fine. as well be like it's okay. cricket. Or I mean, something. We had so many different. You were different like, on one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven. Seven of the 13 questions, you were different. So good job. Oh, wait. Oh, hold on, Josh. You just lost the last question. Buyer so that Patrick Mahomes is overrated and garbage. Oh, Oh, whoa. 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 You (laughs) know, the FCC. Buyer sell that Ryan Tannehill will embarrass Patrick Mahomes. The FCC can fine you for (laughs) profanity and libel. Tim Curran, I hope you know this and are prepared to pay the penalty. Oh yeah, I am. Well, if if the Titans pull it out, which which they will, I'm gonna I make, will, I'm gonna make you fa- listen back happily. to this and like in the summertime and just hear <laughs> your you know this is your reputation going out on statewide radio yep. right now that, yeah. that you're willing to just you know. I feel the I feel the wagon circling behind me. I know I'm I know I'm in enemy territory, but I I, I can't help. 
but voice my opinion. Okay. Well, so it goes. All right. Good stuff, fellas. Thanks for uh, the questions here tonight. We will take a break and come back with more Sports Nightly on the other side. Netflix has put out a series on Aaron Hernandez, the former uh, – I totally did not mean to bring this up with Tim back there. Just nah. literally just crossed my mind. But um, it's getting raving reviews. Hmm. Any interest in checking that out? Yeah, maybe sometime. Might might kill a night in the hotel room. And- I, I, am, uh, I might watch it tonight, actually. I, the story is just so interesting. I watched something that was put out already on it. And, you know, just from the the perspective of, of his fiance and, you know, basically this double life that he was living and nobody really had any idea, mm-hmm. you know, and just hanging out with the wrong people and, you know, basically having this, you know, completely different lifestyle that everybody saw other than this superstar NFL tight end. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm more than intrigued to, to, to checking that out. Yeah, he, he was a complicated guy, you know, especially – if you go that far, so uh, unfortunately, it's not it's not the better angels of my nature that are attracting me to that show. But uh, I got to imagine I'll check it out uh, one of these uh, nights in a hotel with a softball team. Yeah, no question. I mean, and you know, to think about you know how he got there, and that I mean, you even go back to his time at Florida. You know, there was all that stuff that happened when he was on campus with yeah, you guessed it, Urban Meyer. Yeah. Um, that you know maybe signs that that something was up that you should have seen something but you know obviously we never got to that point and you know it had the uh like literally the worst case scenario as a possible result yeah and and there's some of that blood that unfortunately is on urban meyer's hands i mean he bill belichick yeah but i think more so at the college level uh, there's the whole responsibility and molding of young men, yeah. all that stuff. Surrogate father. At the pro level, I think that's that's not on your on your list of duties. Especially at a place much. like New England, where everything's right. so buttoned up and organized. Exactly. And, and, and you know th- that's the interesting part of the story is because you know a place like that, there's no messing around. They don't care who you are. Exactly. They'll, they'll cut you loose. Thanks for sitting in, man. Appreciate Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thanks to all you for listening. Thanks to our guests, Lane Grindle. Thanks to John Cook, head volleyball coach. Also big. Thanks to Doc Sadler, Nebraska assistant coach, for joining us tonight. Thanks for my help in the back. Thanks to Josh. Thanks to Tim. Thanks to all of you for listening. Short show tomorrow, Husker women's basketball at Maryland. But we'll have you for about 40 minutes on the show tomorrow, regular show on Friday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great night.